0: Boss, we are not in the business of losing money. We are going to make XXX profit this year. Don't try and overcomplicate the thesis. Don't try and over ask questions to the point where you have confused yourself as an investor
1: mm-hmm.
2: about what to do. Very curious that what was your mental framework in selecting these kind of founders. Ability to generate unit economics. This
0: is something that we've learned the hard way. Being successful at anything requires tremendous amount of focus, discipline, mm. excellence, work ethic. Mm. People say, you know, crisis creates character. and she doesn't create, it reveals.
2: Hi, I'm Sandeep Jaitwani, the co-founder of Deserve and the host of the Create Wealth podcast. Today, I have with me Kunal Bell, who's the co-founder of Snapdeal and of Titan Capital. In this podcast, we talk about his investing journey of backing really successful startups. What is his framework of selecting these uh, founders to back? How should founders pitch to investors and how should they engage with their board subsequently? And finally, we talk about a very personal area, which is his co-founder journey with Rohit Bansal. I hope you'll enjoy this one one of the things that I noticed very recently when the MAMAHAT listing happened is uh, newspapers and media articles about how much uh, return on capital you and Rohit had on that particular investment, Uh, at least on the face of it was over hundred times. And when I thought about it, there are some consistent investments that you guys have been very successful at, whether it was MAMAHAT, as we said, or off business or OLA in the past. I'm very curious that what was your mental framework in selecting these kind of founders, because when they would have come to you, it would probably have been just a paper plan at that stage. So just talk to me about that.
0: Yeah, I feel that uh, first and foremost, it's all the founders effort that creates these companies, you know, investor mental models are interesting to analyze in hindsight, Mm -hmm. but Honestly, none of that is uh, particularly pertinent mm. if we don't appreciate the amount of effort and the founders have put in because they have created the company. We just put in the money. That's right. right. So literally 100% of the credit is there. It's not 99, mm. 100% of the credit. Mm. Because had we not invested, someone else would have invested mm-hmm. and the company would yet have gotten built.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That said, at the earliest stages, mm. our goal first and foremost is to yeah. just Support the founder, mm.
1: right? Help
0: founders who we feel have who we feel have the capability mm. to build large businesses.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, one, the quality of the team. Mm. Have they demonstrated any amount of success in
2: anything they have done in life? So right? not necessarily in the space that they are in, no, but in anything.
0: They are innovators, right? Yeah. So chances are, if they are innovating, they have not done this before. Right. They may likely don't have any context to what they are building today. Mm. And so it could be, you know, obviously oftentimes people point to academics, mm. but more than academics, mm. it could be if they worked at a startup or worked at a company, did they create an impact there mm-hmm. which is meaningful? Mm-hmm. Maybe they were a sports person, maybe they were a dancer, maybe they were a singer. Because creating being successful at anything requires tremendous amount of focus, discipline, mm. excellence, work mm. ethic, mm. all the attributes which are incredibly critical as you Build a business, mm. so that's one. Secondly, mm. ability to generate unit economics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, this is something that we've learned the hard way as uh, founders of a company in a highly competitive industry, mm-hmm. where it is so hard to uh, have positive unit economics. Mm-hmm. But many times you are surprised where founders are not putting enough thought into it. Mm-hmm. But many do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what we want, what we want to see early on, always. Is the ability to generate unit economics. The company may not be profitable at a whole Mm. for the first few months or quarters. Unit economics have to be positive literally from day one. Mm -hmm. The concept of often times will hear from founders that hey as my business scales up, my Mm. unit economics will improve, my Mm. margins will improve. Mm -hmm. I'll go from a 10% gross margin business to a 50% gross margin business. Mm. It Mm. never happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes founders will be very, they'll be very pushy. They'll say, no, it will happen. And here's the reason. We tell them that look, it can happen mm-hmm. because of your force of character, but it will not be in the same business. Mm-hmm. You will likely have pivoted into something else, mm-hmm. and which will be a 50% gross margin business. Sure. But a 10% gross margin business may become a 15, 20% gross margin business. It never becomes a 50% gross margin business with scale. Mm-hmm. You have to do something structurally different.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's something we generally stay away from. What we like is that the margin, the shape of the PL mm-hmm. should be reasonably well defined in the early days. Mm-hmm. Doesn't need to have heft, mm-hmm. doesn't
2: need to have large numbers yet of revenue or margins, etc. Mm-hmm. But it needs to have shape. Mm-hmm. Some of these companies are probably not even founded or incorporated when the founder is coming to you. Yeah. So at that point, when you're looking at the unit economics, is it uh, a sort of a projection that the founder is showing you or... Do you try and understand that particular industry and then set- actually, you know, Sandeep?
0: Uh, while we look at companies even before they're incorporated, they're not even companies, they're just individuals. Mm. But what we've seen over a period of time is there has been a lot of evolution in the ecosystem, sure. And now founders themselves are coming out to the market to raise money mm. once they have proven to themselves mm. that this company has the ability to generate unit economics, sure. Or maybe there's a self selection of the type of founders who come to us mm. because they've heard. From other founders in the ecosystem Mm. that these guys are good investors but they are really really picky about unit economics. Mm. So invariably 8 out of 10 companies we meet, Mm. they will have a clear demonstration of where the unit economics stand as of today. Got it. Um, Now there are obviously some types of businesses where you usually don't have to worry too much about it like pure software businesses Mm -hmm. where typically the margins are so high like 80-90% margins Mm. where it's more a question of does anyone need this mm. or how will you go to market with it? Mm. Or what's the competitive landscape? Mm. Are other people selling the same software or not? Mm. Which are the more cogent questions mm. than the ability to generate unit economics. Got it. That generally applies to commerce oriented businesses or, uh, you know, payment oriented businesses
2: where money is moving from point A to point B in some mm. shape of.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Interesting. So let's take one of your very successful investments, say in off business where you had backed Ashish and Ruchi in their journey. Now, how did that investment happen? Because I think there is an element of access, like you said, that some founders can raise capital at that stage from practically everybody, right? So how did that introduction stroke network happen? And then how did you evaluate these three parameters for, for that business? Yeah,
0: I feel that um, when you take a lot of shots in life, you deserve to be a little lucky. Um, and I think off business was definitely one of those where coincidentally, one of our former colleagues, Bowen, mm. he, who used to uh, be a senior leader in our engineering team had joined off business as a co-founder or joined Ashish as a co-founder to start. And, and he heads the engineering piece right Right now. Yeah. Um, and so that's how the introduction was mm. precipitated. Mm. And literally, I think there was, there was really no business at that point in time. This, mm. Now predates many years. We're talking so, 2015, yeah. I think. And I met Ashish, and I could tell this—this—he is, uh, this, he is uh, literally a superhuman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really a force of nature at some level. But it was very early days. The business was very different from what it is today. Mm-hmm. It was more in the realm of B two B for hospital supplies, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. in the early days. And obviously, now the business scope yeah. and uh, width yeah. has expanded so materially sure. and scale, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, Ashish, whenever we've had a conversation with him, mm-hmm. he was always very, very clear about the, that my business is here to generate a profit. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the valuation game. I'm not in the fundraising game. That's a raw material for my business. Mm-hmm. But everything he would always say
1: mm-hmm.
0: is, you know, I need to generate a profit. Mm-hmm. I remember one time in 2017, some gap had come between our last meeting with him mm-hmm. and Uh, we asked Ashish, um, you know, how are the financials, how much money are you losing? (laughs) He had a very like uh, brisk and direct response saying, boss, we are not in the business of losing money. We are going to make XXX profit this year. Right. Um, And, you know, love that. Mm -hmm. We love that as fellow founders. We love that as obviously uh, early investors in the business. Mm -hmm. There's just absolute clarity of thought Mm -hmm. that I'm here to Generate a build a lasting, enduring business that generates profit from the earliest days possible. Sure, um, but but look, this framework we've applied in so many uh, so many different cases. Mm-hmm. Let's take Urban Company for instance, where uh, I remember we had met uh, Abhiraj, Varun, um, uh, and Raghav very early mm-hmm. when they were still in the phase of deciding whether to do what is known, now known yeah. as urban company or put screens at the back of seats of intercity buses ah, right, okay. for entertainment. That's how when the introduction was made to us through a common friend, um, that was what they were deciding on. Eventually, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, they decided to do the marketplace for services. Yeah. And obviously, we were also okay. a little more keen on them doing this business. We mm-hmm. would have backed them irrespective. Sure. But key, we were keen on this partly because... We were building a marketplace for products and mm. we said, why should there not be a marketplace for services? Mm-hmm. Because how our business started was a marketplace for restaurants, bar salons, mm-hmm. and coupons, etc. Mm-hmm. But for these other types of home services, you need a marketplace also. Mm-hmm. And there was none in India at that point in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But even in the team, absolutely stellar. I would, I would rate them as one of the best teams in the startup ecosystem, the level of intellectual and operational rigor that they bring yep. both at the same time yep. in an incredibly hard business is unmatched. Yep. And it's an inspiration for an operator like me also. So the team was really checked off, mm-hmm. right? Um, in terms of TAM, mm-hmm. it was very clear they were going to go case by case, like uh, use case by use case, right? mm-hmm. segment by segment. They're Correct. doing beauty, they're doing uh, ACs and yeah various appliances etc mm. etc cetera, et cetera. one mm. by one they're going into a segment So sure. very like seemingly laughably small tanks right yeah. like uh, where people may say oh how large a business can you really build by yeah. sending mutations to someone's house correct I think yeah. they've shown that you can build yeah. a pretty large business yeah. Yeah. you just have to provide the right customer experience right delight that's right and then finally on unit economics they've been very very focused from the earliest days mm. That we will price our product our services attractively, mm. but make sure that we juice out enough efficiency in our system mm. that we are able to provide great quality of service at the right price, mm. but while making positive unit economics. Yeah. And they follow that discipline all the way through till till present day. Yeah. So that's a good example of um the trajectory being set right mm-hmm. of the company from the get-go. Yeah. Obviously, they've made mini pivots and changes that like all founders and uh, businesses have to do. Yeah. But largely, the principles have stayed constant.
2: Yeah. No, I agree because you know that's what they say. If you're flying from London to New York and you change your trajectory by two or three degrees, you'll end up in uh, SF, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's one of the important things. Now, Gunal, uh, uh, you know, talk to me about like some of the anti-portfolio situations. Now, anti-portfolios where uh, you've seen a great company for whatever reason you did not invest and later you realize that oh look it became a very large business. Yeah. Did you have those kind of events at some point in time? I'm sure there have been
0: many Sandeep, mm-hmm. um, many many. It's hard to remember all of them now but actually it's also not about you'll meet all these really really smart founders right. Uh, I feel at the core I'm a f- Founder, right? Mm. I don't think of myself as an investor, right? I think of myself and as we'll a talk
2: in a bit about that. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: Founder, entrepreneur, operator, not an investor. But um, being an investor, I feel for all investors, they must see it as a privilege that you get to meet such really, really smart people all the mm. time. Mm. And it's so easy for me to fall in love with all of them, mm. right? But you can't obviously support that all of them. You can't invest in all of them. Mm. Um, but many times you'll meet some founders where you wish you had invested in them. Yeah. right? Uh, it, it, even if the business did not make sense to you at that point in time, mm-hmm. you you wish that these are people that you can have a lasting, enduring relationship with. Mm-hmm. So there are many, many, many such people that we met. See, mm-hmm. businesses themselves go through their twists and turns. So, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to comment on a particular business yeah. but there are so many fantastic people so many fantastic founders out
2: yeah there. uh and you know to that point uh kunal you've been on both sides of the table you've fundraised yourself and you've invested in uh, startups right and how do you therefore think about today a conversation which is quote unquote a pitch where a founder is talking to an investor to raise capital mm-hmm. what are some of the things that a founder should think about going into these conversations Mm. and I suspect like founders have gotten better at communication over time. Uh, One would argue sometimes too good too good at pitching but for those of us who are not uh, what are the things that they should keep in mind how should they structure that conversation? It's a good good very good
0: question and I think you kind of had an answer in the question that it's very important to approach it like a conversation versus a pitch pitch. Mm. Yeah, you need slides for a, you know, structure, etc. But all Mm -hmm. good investors, I know, at least at at Titan Capital, this is a tenet we have, all the materials that are sent, not only by the company, but some pre-read materials, prep materials, our team prepares, Mm -hmm. we all read everything Mm -hmm. and come to a meeting. Mm -hmm. We are not like, we're not seeing the presentation for the first time ever. That's right. because that's the minimum courtesy one an investor can extend to a founder who's Mm. juggling 1000 balls. Mm. And if you can't even study the materials that Mm. have been pre sent in advance of the call, uh, which means the founder
2: needs to pre send a material, right? A pre read to the investor. Yeah. Yeah. That goes without saying. Sure. Uh,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, What we like is like very, very brief materials. Like if you can if you have something of value, you can probably say it in you know two, two pages. Mm. Some founders just send us two pages, they send mm. us a notion document link, mm. or they send us five slides. Mm. Generally, the scary ones are the 40 slide presentations <laughs> so for a seed stage company. Yeah. There you feel that you're you're explaining too much. And in some ways, if you're explaining too much, you're already losing.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: you shouldn't need to explain this much. Yeah. If the problem statement is fairly simple. You know, any company um, we, or most companies that we look to invest in, in Titan, I always go and have a conversation with my seven year old daughter about
1: it. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Like, I give an example about the pots and pans companies. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with her about that company. Mm-hmm. I told her, Look, we're looking to invest in this company. I showed her the photos. The company is called Petal. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, But why do we. Why do we need more pots and pans, mm. right? Uh, very cool. good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already have,
1: yeah.
0: right? Enough to cook food for the family. I said, well, it's healthier, right? Mm-hmm. She said, well, if it's healthier, does it cost more money?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, yes, it costs more money,
1: yeah.
0: right? And so on and so forth. Yeah. So, uh, these are very simple brain questions that literally a seven-year-old knows how to ask. Right? Yeah. At least we also approach it the same way. Yeah. Don't try and overcomplicate the thesis. Don't try and over ask Mm -hmm. questions to the Mm -hmm. point where um, you have confused yourself as an investor Mm -hmm. about what to do. Mm -hmm. Just know what are the few things you want to hear. Mm -hmm. Most good founders realize that. At the early stages. Mm-hmm. Also now the tribal knowledge Sandeep is so rich mm. amongst founders about how to create your materials, how to pitch, mm. how to pitch to whom at which firm also. Mm. <laughs> no. yeah, I'm sure there are like documents floating around about uh, which investor likes, which type of company etc and what type of materials they should, uh, they should be presented. Maybe there's a Reddit
2: page somewhere about this. I'm pretty
0: certain there is or at least there's something floating around but you know it's good it's a it's a in it's an indication of the evolution and maturity of the startup mm. ecosystem mm. that founders are getting past the real um you know sort of rudimentary errors mm. when it comes to fundraising they are well prepared their materials are generally sharp uh, they talk about the important things that matter which is team mm. you know the space mm. What is the 10x experience or 10x intervention or 10x wedge they have found in the market? Mm-hmm. How do they their offering compare? How does their offering compare to other market players if they exist? Mm-hmm. How will they monetize? Mm-hmm. Right, and then obviously, what are they looking to raise and why? Sure, it's really as simple as that. It's five seven slides. Like mm-hmm. it shouldn't really. By the way, this applies to business probably of any scale. Sure, it's funny, right? Like we the uh, the number of slides the company uses to explain it its business generally mm. tends to reduce with success.
2: Absolutely. right. Because so large public companies do two, three slide decks for their quarterly presentation. Yeah,
0: that's it. Because mm. if the business model is set in its ways, mm. only thing you have to show mm. is performance. Sure. Right. You're not changing the business model frequently.
1: Mm. Um,
0: so we, we like founders when they are concise, mm. they're crisp, mm. they have already pre-thought Mm. of all the key questions and key concerns investors will have mm. they've pre addressed it and they're not trying to skirt it
1: mm-hmm.
0: all these things build confidence and credibility mm. in a prospective investor's mind that mm. this is an entrepreneur or set of entrepreneurs who have already thought through all the blind spots mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um because as an investor as an early stage investor you will not have the you will not be able to become an expert at everything yeah but you want to look a founder in the eye mm. and assess and feel it in your bones that mm. hey, this is a person who's thought through three, four
2: levels more than I can think through today. Mm. Right. So actually what I'm taking away Kunal from this is first the fact that you need to have a concise pre-read which sort of forces the founder and the team to put everything down in a way that's simple enough and yet explains the business problem. The second is uh, to be able to do some work on the investor and how the conversation will likely yeah. uh, go and uh, call out the ask very clearly. Yeah. When you're making these investments, is there some bit of signaling also that if Konal is invested, then probably on the back of that, others will invest? Or do you invest on the back of somebody else also making an investment? Uh, we generally form our own convictions.
0: The, like. Mm-hmm. There are many times we are the only investor or only institutional investor in the round. Mm-hmm. We are happy if we like a company, like a team, like a space, we are happy to be the only money in the company also. We have no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. We're not looking to borrow conviction. We rarely participate in later. Our first entry point is almost never in later rounds of companies where they're raising large institutional rounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because in because we are, we are known to be fairly valuation sensitive mm-hmm. because we come in very early Uh, We are taking maximum risk Mm. and hence it's okay to be a bit uh, conscious around valuation and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the company or the founders or the space. Mm. It just doesn't work for our, Mm. the segment we look at in terms of investments. But, um, you know, what happens is as you have, you're seen to be more successful as an investor,
1: Mm.
0: a lot of people start seeing that as a cue, as a stamp of validation that maybe these guys have a have a rigor a methodology mm-hmm. or pattern recognition from experience good and bad experiences of uh, what may work what will not work but to be honest like we also don't know right yeah. we are any investor including us we're only as good as our last investments that worked mm-hmm. we could have 3 years
1: of
2: you know bad investments and then mm-hmm. people will say well they lost their touch mm-hmm. interesting I, uh, and Kunal, like now from a founder's perspective there are two sets of folks as when we also interact from our investing perspective. One is a set of folks who have all the access today. They speak the language, they're connected with investors. And in their case, they're sort of figuring out which investor to go after, right? Now, for that cohort of people, how should they choose uh, the investors that they should pitch to the totem pole of priority in terms of who to go to first and who later to go to? I think irrespective of what I say right now, the approach will
0: not change, which is a complete machine gun, <laughs> 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 which I think same, which is okay. That's what we did in our early days. There were 13 VCs. We, <laughs> we machine gunned all of them yeah. with our uh, pitch deck, either cold calls or through introductions. Mm. Uh, you know, in the end, the, the question to ask is that any founder should ask is like, what are the attributes I should look for? Mm. Uh, in an investor mm-hmm. right i feel the attributes one should look for is the person investing in the in my company because of the micros of my business not the macros of mm-hmm.
1: my business okay
0: right so what that means is they like me mm-hmm. in terms of my ability to build a business mm-hmm. they like my business idea mm-hmm. my thinking mm-hmm. they like my traction mm-hmm. right they like my competitive positioning versus other market players mm-hmm. um, as compared to they like the industry And now they are like, whoever is willing to take my money,
2: let me give him money. Sure, sure, him or her money. And why is that important? Why is the fact that the investor should understand the micro important? Because even in tough spaces, smart founders end up
0: building good businesses. Mm -hmm. But in really good spaces if you haven't studied the micro and are not convinced of the micro or the micro has challenges yeah. even in good spaces the company will not do well got it so we are we are not at all trend spotters trend watchers wave riders like mm-hmm. we are none of those mm-hmm. we are always focused on the on the micro of our business mm-hmm. so there are times when we have not invested in waves mm-hmm. and people have asked us as you completely missed it. It seems mm-hmm. we are totally okay with it. Over a period of time, what realized what we realized is that why we didn't like the micro of any business in mm-hmm. that wave or in that sector was because the micros didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Just the wave made sense to everyone. Sure. And sure. waves. The thing with waves, though, Sandeep, is they come and go. Yeah. But the micros, if they are strong, yeah, then over a period of time, that builds strong foundations and lasting, enduring businesses.
2: Yeah. And, and to give examples, like in the, just in the last two, three years, uh, I would suspect right now we are going through this AI wave where AI startups are getting funded a couple of years back. We had this crypto wave that crypto startups and blockchain startups were getting funded. And the question, I think what you're really saying is why do you like a particular team founder business, as opposed to generally saying that I need to make one bet in the AI space.
0: Those usually don't work out.
1: Hmm.
0: I've
2: rarely seen those work out, right? We are not,
0: and we don't need to be in all the good companies, right? sure. We just need to make sure our companies are good. Yeah, that's it's it. A good way of putting. It. That's to have a good outcome as an investor. You don't need to mm. be in all the companies. Actually, not feeling FOMO is a superpower,
1: mm. in mm.
0: particularly in early stage. Yeah, in so, in any investing, any actually, any investing probably, but in early stage. Yeah, I think it's even more so because you feel that you know yeah. you had access to this company that could. Deliver yeah. the 100x return and yeah.
2: you missed it. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, and if
2: you don't invest, then you probably can't get in ever again. Correct.
1: Yeah.
0: But I feel over a period of time, shaped by our own experiences. Mm-hmm. Now we feel no foam. If it, if it if it doesn't make sense to us, but it makes sense to the rest of the world, we wish the founder the very best. Mm-hmm. Right. And we we want the best for them. It just, at that point in time, we just didn't understand it. But mm-hmm. that's Okay. Mm -hmm. We may be wrong also. Mm -hmm. We are often wrong actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we are okay with that also. We just Mm -hmm. need to be right
2: uh, in the ones that we've actually invested in. That's all that matters. Once we've made an investment, Kunal, into a startup and now the business is sort of getting off the ground, what should be an investor's expectation from a founder or flipping that, what should a founder do in terms of communication, engagement with the investor? Yeah. What is the frequency? What are the kind of materials need to be shared periodically? How much consultation on the business direction should the founder make with the investor or not? And this, I want you to sort of weave in your own experience yeah. of Snap deal as well. Yeah, I
0: feel that if there is one,
2: people ask us, hey, what are the patterns you've seen? There's so many
0: Companies you're involved in that have done so well across mm. sectors, whether it's fintech or whether it's consumer brands or e-commerce or whatever, why? Uh, what is the common pattern? Obviously, it's the quality of team, economics, and um, how they've approached creating customer delight. But what, in terms of governance of the business, mm. you know, one of the key things that is a common pattern between each of the companies that has worked mm. is the rigor around a monthly MIS. That yep. the team prepares and also sends to all the investors. Mm. There is no company that has worked out really well
1: yeah.
0: that we have seen where uh, that rigor was not there. Doesn't mean if you have that rigor, that's enough. Enough. Yeah, it's necessary but not sufficient. Sure, but it is necessary. Mm. Right, and founders feel that it is for the investor. Actually, it's for themselves. Sure, it's for them themselves to have a clear lens and clear view mm. into how the business is trending month on month, mm. and then cascading it down to the rest of their team. Mm. That here's how we are doing. Mm. Looking at this mirror on a regular basis, mm. like even in all our businesses, whether like it's Snapdeal, Unicommerce, like in our businesses, we have weekly management meetings mm. where we discuss the projected. Uh, financial results for the month mm-hmm. and we track that against plan and we discuss interventions that are needed mm-hmm. in some places which are tracking below plan. Mm-hmm. So for us, it is an absolute requirement. Mm-hmm. So we we have a, a list of what we call closely watched companies, about 30 companies at any point in time
1: mm-hmm.
0: where Rohit and I will spend a good amount of time with them, we'll meet them maybe mm-hmm. four times, six times, sometimes 12 times a year mm-hmm. for really young companies if they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, where we will discuss the monthly MIS, mm-hmm. we'll go through the details with them we'll mm-hmm. ask them what their roadblocks are, where mm-hmm. the challenges are. Mm-hmm. We find it really intellectually enriching also mm-hmm. but at the same time, um, founders tell us they find it very helpful mm-hmm. because in hindsight, Sandeep, we've seen it's the same pattern of mistakes that we made in our early days
1: mm-hmm.
0: and founders have continued to make which is uh, doing too many things, not mm-hmm. having focus, mm-hmm. having this portfolio approach to mm-hmm. The mm. business very early on also. so you're
2: hedging your bets too soon mm. Mm.
0: yeah you have to have conviction mm. this is it this is mm. what i'm going to do mm. um, focus issues um, overspending like mm. hiring too fast mm. spending too much money on marketing or other business development activities too early before the product has demonstrated strong product market fit
1: mm.
0: not focusing enough on the unit economics of the business making mm. sure that they stay in a healthy zone even if the company is not making money yet mm-hmm. having a clear glide path view of how do we get to profitability from here mm. like those type of things seems very basic mm. but we do empathize with founders that at the early stages they are juggling as i said 1000 balls mm. some of the really critical stuff sometimes gets diluted mm-hmm. but the tricky thing is in early stage companies that there are five employees 10 employees 20 employees if the founders not thinking not thinking about some of these critical things, nobody hmm. else is.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: things business. will
0: just keep drifting. Correct. Right, and then they'll drift to a point of no return. Unfortunately. Right. But we are those, you know, buoys. Like we uh, are the guardrails in yeah, some ways yeah. to making sure that hey, on a monthly basis, let's make sure that nothing that is detrimental to the, uh, you know, uh, mortality, uh, nothing that creates mortality for the business. Hmm. Uh, gets introduced. Hmm. So we have enough time to build what we need to build.
2: The, help me understand, Kunal, what is this MIS look like? Like for a, let's say a, a early stage founder watching this today, what would be the key components of the MIS? I'm assuming things like revenue, cost, etc. But is there any other thing that you would be specifically focused on?
0: You know, everything flows from the P&L of the business.
1: Hmm.
0: Like that is in the end And in some businesses, some types of businesses, we also uh, look look at cash flows and balance sheet. Mm -hmm. Right now, Mm -hmm. this may seem like, was this a podcast for early stage (laughs) investing or private equity? But, you know, whatever it may be, whatever is needed. Uh, in a business has to be tracked in a business. Yeah. So if a business is a working capital intensive business, yeah. many of the brands' businesses are working capital intensive, many B2B businesses are working capital.
1: Mm-hmm. There,
0: just by looking at the P&L, you're getting a partial picture of the business. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand how the working capital is uh, playing out in that business, yeah. you can have a very healthy P&L and the business will still shut down. Yeah, Because you run out of cash. Yeah. yeah. So, And many companies have faced that issue. Particularly in the brands and the B two B space, yeah. or the other way around, everything is fantastic. You run out of cash to grow the business. Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, so interesting. The rigor around everything flows. Actually, it just it's like a you know, like we go for our preventive health checkups, right? Yeah. Uh, there are a few markers that kind of tell you something's wrong. Then you double click and say, okay, let's look at a little more data and see what may be the reason why our gross margins are not growing or right. why they are declining.
2: Right, like things like receivable days or how much time are you taking to collect the money back? Those are things that probably the MIS, depending on the business. Uh, now let's say the company has scaled to a certain point. Uh, You also have that situation where you're dealing with a board uh, as a mid-stage founder, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You have institutional players potentially on the board. In some cases, some founders are also adding independent folks to the board. Uh, not only have you dealt with a board, but you've also served on public boards, including Piramal. Uh, how should a founder go about that construct uh, when it's creating a board, or even otherwise creating a set of advisors around the business? Yeah. See uh, the difference between
0: boards of venture-funded companies and like larger public companies mm. is that most of the board is constituted in the venture funded companies of investor directors. Sure. But in public listed companies, that's usually not the case. Yeah. Mostly, most of the board is either executives mm. slash promoters and independents. Yeah. Sometimes they'll have an investor director, but that's
1: rare. And in a way,
2: the independent directors are representing the shareholders. shareholders yeah. Right. So uh,
0: I feel founders don't really have much. It's a good question, but I don't mm. think founders have much choice. Mm in terms of how the board is constituted. Yeah. That said, at least my big learning about if how do you get the most value out of your board? First and foremost, make sure that you have completely relinquished everything to do with governance tracking of the business to the board.
2: Explain that. What does like governance the, tracking mean?
0: Like everything, are your financials, getting audited properly? Are they getting audited and filed at, this, at mm-hmm. the right time? Are you doing internal audits? Mm-hmm. Are you doing secretarial audits? Mm-hmm. Um, we do quarterly audits in our companies, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I've been immensely benefited by almost everything I know about business. I've learned from Mr. Akhil Gupta, who's vice chairman of uh, Bharti. Bharti yeah. uh, he's been on our board for 10 years. I actually knew nothing about business <laughs> till I met him, which I realized later on how little I knew, I still don't know a lot, but I can attribute almost everything I know to him.
2: And what were the key interventions that he like pushed for instance, for?
0: like around governance, particularly right? like doing quarterly audits, having uh, secretarial audits done, mm. um, having the right type of team in place in, in order to do all these governance actions mm. um, and just So you sleep well at night, Mm. there are no surprises in your business that hit you Mm. at any point in time. The barometer Mm. is there should be no surprises Mm. for anyone, for you as a management, promoter, owner, founder, or independent director, investor director, or shareholders at large. Yeah, no surprises whatsoever. It Mm. can, there can be all the companies go through their ups and downs. Mm. There are sometimes good tailwinds, sometimes there are headwinds in a business. Mm. People make peace with that. Mm but there should be no surprises around you said the number was X, but it turned out to be Y. Yeah. It yeah. can never be that. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but I feel, I think to the point of how do you, what does the found, how does the founder leverage the board effectively? Um, one is obviously you make sure that look, you guys are custodians of governance. Hmm. We are just doing all the actions. Sure. Please probe us, probe us hard. Yeah. That are we doing everything right or not? And mm. if you're not, please tell us mm. and in good time so we can fix it.
1: Mm.
0: So, at least that's the approach we've had. Yeah. Now, secondly, when it comes to more operational stuff like help with the business,
1: mm.
0: one of the things I've realized is that typically every person who's usually on a board and is experienced seasoned as an investor or an independent director or a seasoned professional
1: mm.
0: has some superpower. Mm. And oftentimes founder, I used to do this in my early days as a founder that I would go to everyone for all all kinds of topics. Yeah, I would ask every, I'll go with my list of five questions to every board director yeah. and ask them, here are my five questions, please give me your views. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is everyone will give you five views, uh, their views on all five. Even though they may, whether or not they have expertise on all five, which nobody does because you're
2: asking them to step in and guide you. They'll
0: they'll give it, they're doing it from, you know, a goodness, place of goodness a day and well-wishing that they have for you doesn't mean that they have the best advice on everything. So So, a founder has to figure out that which investor is going to be great at giving advice about transactions or mm -hmm. fundraising or mm -hmm. marketing. Mm. or corporate managing the like highest level of corporate governance or mm. recruiting mm. or engineering etc mm-hmm. you have to decide as a founder mm. doesn't mean that it's not i'm not trying to say that those other directors don't know about these other topics yeah. it's not their superpower
2: yeah everyone like, is really good at one thing yeah
0: i mean you identify what that one thing is mm. and then mostly go to them for that
1: yeah yeah
2: and
0: then there is also continuity of conversation mm. because that one topic, you've been talking to that director for quarters and years
1: mm.
0: and they are also really invested in your success in that particular track, mm. whether it is building a good engineering org, yeah, you've been talking to one director about recruiting, then you've been talking to them about, hey, here are the people I have, what do you think? Can you Got spend it. time with them a little bit? Mm. Can you guide me? Who else I should hire? How mm. should I structure the team? Mm. Then they are also a little more in the detail versus only at surface level on like
2: 10 different things. Got it. And Therefore, these discussions probably are one-on-one as opposed to doing it only in a board meeting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The way the board meeting should be run,
1: uh,
0: how we run ours is uh, we typically will email all the materials seven days in advance Mm -hmm. to our uh, board. Mm -hmm. And we solicit questions Mm -hmm. that if you have questions, please send send the questions across. Mm -hmm. And then if the questions come uh, before the board meeting, we first discuss the questions. Yeah. Right, and uh, So that maximum time is given to the topics that people already have on their minds mm-hmm. that they would like to discuss. Yeah, And then rest of the time, our management teams, uh, the CEO of Snapdeal, CEO of Unicommerce, etc. They will walk uh, the directors through the key aspects, key developments in the business.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Kunal, we've spoken about the tangible stuff when it comes to a business, things like MIS, PNL, etc. Now with every business comes the intangible stuff also, mm-hmm. which probably as an investor, you get sense around things like culture, things like the kind of talent that the company has and so on. Are there some intangibles that you would also track when you're evaluating a business? And if you do, then how do you help shape that in a direction that's that's correct for the company?
0: Yeah, I feel that, um, you know, in the at least at, at the time when we are looking to invest in companies, mm-hmm we don't get that much time to figure out a lot of the intangibles because mm-hmm. we meet founders maybe three times before mm-hmm. we decide to invest. These are three, one hour-ish, one and a half hour meetings, a total of four to five hours. Yeah, That's not enough time to figure out the intangibles, but people do show their colors in the process. Mm-hmm. right? Um, so how prompt they are, how clear they are in their communication, how transparent they are about their insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are they a, you know bad faith negotiator or a good faith negotiator and mm-hmm. right? mm-hmm. these are all the things because for us like our word is our bond like if we've said we're doing it we're doing it sure we have never ever ever not done something we've said we will do mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately that feeling is not always reciprocated mm-hmm. right so sure. uh, that makes it actually the decision becomes easier for us sure because we feel that hey if, we can't have this a trustworthy relationship today. Yeah. Things will only get harder later on. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so I think there are some gives like those mm. that we are always watchful for. Mm-hmm. We like folks who are transparent, direct. Yeah. Uh, you don't like something about what we said or are doing, please tell us. Yeah. And we will rectify it or we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I think we like that transparency of communication because we also stand by the same thing. Yeah. Incredibly transparent in our communication. I think the other thing we do tend to talk to founders about is see, they don't have large teams that you can go and talk to. Yeah. Generally it's two of them, three of them, and one or mm-hmm. two interns usually. Mm-hmm. But
1: how they how they have gone about hiring those people that